Yeah, hi, this is Brett White from the Being Leaders podcast and welcome to season two. You know, I'm really excited about this season where I've been having some incredible conversations with some amazing young and emerging leaders from around the world, in Cambodia, in London, in Melbourne, in Sydney, sharing their stories, their insights, their limits, their learnings, and their challenges of their leadership journey so far. So thanks for joining us, and I know you'll get great value from these emerging, young, and inspiring leaders from around the world. In this episode, I'm chatting with another incredible, inspiring, amazing young leader, Keisha Ghani. Now, Keisha is currently working in Phnom Penh, Cambodia. Originally born and raised Sri Lanka, studied in the UK, and now she's the acting country manager of She Investments. We talk about some amazing, incredible things like challenging the traditional leadership models, trying new things, failing, learning from mistakes, and a whole bunch more. It's a great conversation that I know you'll get great value from today. Well, welcome everybody to the Being Leaders podcast. It's great to have you, but it's even greater to have Keisha with us all the way from Phnom Penh, Cambodia. Welcome, Keisha. Hi, Brad. Hi, everyone. So, Keisha, you're living in Phnom Penh, Cambodia, but you're not from there. So, tell us a little bit about you and then a little bit about your leadership story and where that's landed you in this season. Uh, So I'm originally from Sri Lanka, born, raised, grew up there. And then at the age of 18, moved to the UK, got my bachelor's degree, got a master's in health inequalities, did a lot of research on Cambodia, and then moved over here for a really exciting role focused on fundraising. Okay. I'd say my leadership story is one of those that goes as just in the right place at the right time. (laughs) I've often started at levels where I am very focused on a specific area of work, got additional responsibilities tacked onto my job description purely because of an interest and a desire to want to be involved in more aspects of the organization or the business. And then somehow found my way into a leadership position. And currently, uh, I'm in the role of acting country manager at She Investments, which is a social enterprise focused on supporting small and micro-sized women entrepreneurs across Cambodia. Yes, and I do love uh, what she does, as you know. And we had Celia, one of the founders, uh, on this podcast earlier, um, which is pretty cool. Um, but it is uh, a great little story. What What is it about kind of leaving home, moving to a developing country that kind of drove you? Like what, what's, what's the passion for you there? I, my parents were, re- they're really interesting people. They, my mom never finished high school, but then went straight into vocational training for teaching. And my dad only later went to university. And so I decided that the first place that I would do any kind of work would be in the education sector, focusing on youth development. And so I ended up at a small nonprofit organization in CM Rape called Journeys Within Our Community. And I was there for two and a half years. And that was really, for me, an opportunity to kind of 
honor what my parents had experienced and the value that they had for education. And their biggest dream for me was that I would go abroad and study at university outside of Sri Lanka. Yeah. And the thing they invested in the most was always in education. And Cambodia being a developing country, Sri Lanka being a developing country, I don't often feel like I'm very far from home. Yeah, okay. So that in itself has been a nice experience to feel like I am somewhere different, but not so different. So how long have you been out of home? I haven't lived in Sri Lanka since I was 18. Yeah, wow. So I've been away for about 10 years now. Wow. Do you miss home? All the time, yeah. especially the food. <laughs> Cambodia, Cambodia is not as much of a fan of spicy food as Sri Lanka is. Oh, yes, so the spicy food, right? Okay, that's good. <laughs> that's one of the things I'm um, learning to like in my and in you. Cambodia food's not, as you say, not heap spicy. But <laughs> I'm from I'm from Australia. We're like the non-spicy capital of the world. <laughs> <laughs> I applaud you for being interested in trying those spices. I feel like spice is everything. Yeah, yeah. Well, add, add spice. You've certainly done that. So how long have you been in Cambodia then? I'm coming very close to four years in Cambodia. Yeah, wow. Okay. And do you see Cambodia as somewhere that you would sort of stay long term, like fallen in love with the place like I have and many others? I have fallen in love with Cambodia, but... I feel like as a young person, I had always planned on just doing a couple years here, a couple years there. Um, Cambodia is a place where I've ended up staying for longer, but I do intend in a few years' time to look at what else is out there. What's next? Yeah, but, I, yeah, but I, I've said that every year, and every year <laughs> I've ended up staying, so I, I don't really know what's going to happen. So kind of as you sort of referred to before, you've kind of, been in the right place at the right time and in some ways been there and available to step into this acting country manager role at She Investments, which is a very significant uh, leadership role uh, with quite a big team. And so for you as a young leader, what's what has been some of the big challenges for you as a younger leader, as a younger maybe female leader um, in the context of, you know, leadership and leading people? I think it's a broad question. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there is a challenge that has been spoken about on your podcast before is, of course, the concept of being an imposter. Yeah. And I think tying that into this feeling I always have of being in the right place at the right time kind of exacerbates that yeah okay so feeling like perhaps if I wasn't at this specific place at this specific time would I be where I am right now and it's taken me a lot of work to realize that it is a good thing to be recognized for those opportunities when they open up to be considered but I think the biggest challenge I've faced has been an internal one because if this shows me anything it's that the people around me do have faith in my ability to lead and internalizing that I think is part of the challenge okay. um, but something that I feel like working with lots of different people so before I became acting country manager my role was head of operations which is primarily focused on people management and organizational development and that is really where I have always thought that I thrive because the connection that I have with people is what motivates me and drives me 
to go to work every day, to see the small impact that you can make on someone, but also see their professional development just within the space of a month or six months. And I think that also lends itself well to being in a very senior leadership position within an organization like She Investments, because I think the most important skill that a leader can have is interpersonal skills. Yeah, yeah, I agree. So you've had, I mean, developing those relationships over a period of time before you've stepped into this role has been um, important, do you think? Oh, absolutely. I think that being able to connect with people to understand the challenges they're going through and then try to find solutions together, that's the only way to really move forward. And that's what leadership is all about. Yeah, good. Yeah, that's good. It's a good insight. I think, um, you know, you've kind of led in different capacities, different sized teams. And even before uh, being at She, um, and, you know, obviously you're a bit younger then, less experienced, were there other sort of significant challenges in those spaces um, that, that have come up for you? In my role before She Investments, I was actually in a co-leadership position. And co-leadership is something that I think is a really great opportunity for an enterprise or an organization of any size to really explore. Because I think also the concept of one person being able to lead everything is a very sort of old school concept, at least personally. Yeah, okay. And so being in that kind of co-leadership position, and I, I see a lot of that at G Investments as well, it really is an opportunity to play on each other's strengths, but of course, it comes with its own host of challenges, which is then how do you manage a power dynamic? Yes. And having been someone, this was just only a year or two ago, but working with someone who was significantly more experienced, had been with the organization for longer, that was a difficult dynamic to manage. But I think that that experience was so valuable in building my confidence as a leader yeah, okay. and to have a role model that I could lead with side by side who showed me a lot of the things that you can only really learn by observing and watching someone else do it. I think the co-leadership idea, as you said, is it's, it's, a, it's a great idea, um, but I often see it not working purely yeah. because of what you just said the dynamics of power or control, particularly, I think, in the, in people that have more of a traditional view of leadership, which is kind of, as you said, the kind of the solo, you know, um, guru at the top. Um, so I think, yeah, you, if that relationship um, is, is, you know, effective and flourishing and thriving and healthy, then I think that co-leadership um, model can be like really effective. Um, but yeah. if that relationship isn't great, then I think it then can have significant impacts on, you know, the organisation and on the individuals involved. Oh, absolutely. It's a takes two hands to clap kind of situation. If you're not aligned, if you can't get through the little things, it just doesn't work. Do you think as a younger leader, you know, exploring kind of different models of leadership outside of that, um, you know, that traditional model of what I think, you know, we've looked at what leadership has been. I do believe there's a massive shift on what leaders need to be moving forward. And 
you know, we've talked, I've talked about that quite a bit with other young leaders um, on the podcast, but I'm just, I'm curious to know from your perspective, as you sort of like talked about that traditional model and going, what, what's your kind of take as a, as a, as a young person in a leadership role around that kind of looking at exploring different models, different ways uh, outside of, you know, that traditional model? I think that being tied to a single structure is just not something that ever works. I think the biggest and most important thing is to be flexible. And if you're looking internally at the people that you have in your team and about creating opportunities for them to grow, you inevitably end up with something that doesn't look very traditional. And I think that as a leader, that's something that we really need to do is to identify the strengths that we have within the team and then find what works best for that specific team. It's not a one size fits all approach. Whereas most of the time we're just trying to emulate what we see in other places. Yeah. Okay. To take the investments as an example, I quite like the structure that we have here. So we have the, the country manager role, which is really where a lot of that accountability sits. But then we have multiple different departments and We're a relatively small team of about 30 staff, but we have five different departments. And so having competent leaders in each of those departments who are working directly with the country manager to kind of shift the ownership of that team to that leadership level, I think that that works quite well in the context of she investments. That may not work well elsewhere, but it's something that I think, considering the situation we're in, it just makes the most sense. Yeah, and I think a couple of things that you said there are really important. One is around the strengths, like knowing and acknowledging and working with the strengths of the team. And I think that flexibility piece is really important in for young people moving forward. Uh, and I, but I also think it's a challenge for the more senior leader who still kind of sits in that more rigid um space of leadership and i think you're right i think we have to be asking ourselves as leaders how do we how do we be more flexible while still you know providing that stability and certainty in that space of leadership absolutely and the the thing you said about stability i think this is where changing leadership models can often go wrong in being flexible is the consideration of how does that affect the rest of the team? How do you communicate that to the team? How do they see it as a strength rather than something that seems to happen reactively in response to change? Yeah, yeah, no, that's good too. And it's interesting, I think um, a lot of young people, you know, are looking for different expressions of leadership in this season, I think even even through and coming out of the kind of COVID pandemic, I feel like there's been a shift in what people think is even important, um, you know, as 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 a leader. And you mentioned this before about, you know, that whole connection and, and people orientation and that being the core um, piece in leadership is, you know, is people, right? And it's relationships. And I think that, that is a challenge um, for the more traditional kind of senior leader approach that needs to constantly be challenged um, moving forward. Agreed, 100% I, um, agreed. 
I'm I'm curious about what do you see as the the benefits of a co-leadership kind of model and what do you think are the challenges? I mean we've sort of talked about obviously if that relationship isn't isn't right, but is there other things that you kind of see as kind of beneficial or or challenges? I think in terms of what's beneficial is like I said before, I think trying to have one person be the figurehead. And I say that in quotation marks. Yeah, yeah. Or to have one person have this plethora of skills that is very diverse from, you know, understanding marketing to delivering programs to monitoring and evaluation. It's just not realistic unless you are a very senior leader that has changed careers multiple times in your yeah, lifetime. Yeah. And I think as a young leader, there are so many benefits to having co-leadership because you can find individuals who are very uh, strong in specific areas, have years of experience, or can demonstrate a, an unparalleled level of passion yeah. for a specific area that when your attention is diluted, you're just not capable of doing. And so being able to work with individuals who have that expertise, whether you're splitting that across five or six people or whether you're splitting that up across two or three people, it just makes a lot more sense. Yeah. How many of us have been in a recruitment process thinking, oh, if this person just had that one more thing that we're looking for versus thinking instead, this person has everything we need in this one area. And there is this really special thing about them that we can grow and cultivate and create yeah. opportunities yeah. for succession within the organization. I think that I'm, I'm biased, but I think that that <laughs> is a lot more sustainable yeah, and also absolutely. provides a lot more opportunities for emerging leaders to really develop themselves and develop the place in which they're working. Yeah, because they're getting like actual opportunity to be leaders in that space, right? Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. Because I think often what happens and, and what I've had fed back to me is that often there's this kind of opportunity but without permission. And I think one of the, the big challenges I feel in a lot of organisations today is that leadership have to both create the opportunities for young leaders to experience, to 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 flourish, to have a go, to try, to dream, but they have to give them permission to do that, permission to fail, permission to get it wrong, permission to, you know. And so I, I, I don't think, I think we give opportunity without permission a lot. And I think mm -hmm. that is something that I've had a lot of people comment on that, you know, that's one of the things that young leaders are really looking for is not just the opportunity, but the permission as well. Yeah, I've, I feel like I've been working with so many individuals recently that you kind of, you've created this opportunity, but you haven't get, done something or demonstrated that there is a green light, you're good to go. And I think that especially coming out of COVID, mm. I think people moving into that dynamic of working remotely versus working in person, I think that concept of permission is just much harder to grasp. Yeah, okay. And so as a young leader, creating spaces and opportunity is one thing, but giving people permission to fail, it's rare that that happens. Yeah, and I, I think agree. this is where I've been very fortunate as a young leader is so many of 
the more senior leaders that I have had the privilege of working with have given me that permission and dragged me into doing things with very much my like excitement to do so. Yeah. That has been why I have been at the right place at the right time. Yeah, it's good. So you talked a little bit about a few of your challenges. Have there been things that you feel have limited you as a leader, um, either that you've placed on yourself or that kind of others have placed on you? I think this is an interesting one because it's very hard, right, to reflect on yeah, the yeah. things that you have unconsciously done to limit yourself. I, like I was saying, I feel like recently, this is the first time that I've ever really felt like I'm not actively placing limits on myself. Yeah. And that's a really nice feeling. And it's yeah. just because working with Celia as an incredible, you know, leader, she has given me that permission and given me that space. And even working with you um, have given me the opportunity to just think about how I always talk with other people about finding that special thing in someone else. I feel like the time has come for me to view myself the same way. Yeah, it's good. The, with the, the other individuals I've worked with, I wouldn't say that they have ever consciously placed limits on me. I think it's more that what comes with that traditional leadership style and the expectations and the hierarchy of how things are supposed to work. Yeah. But I would hope that those things are being challenged as time goes forward. But if I could travel back in time, some of the things that previous managers I've had that have said to me, things like, please save your questions until the following week, which I think is for someone like me who loves to ask questions and learns from asking questions, that taught me a valuable lesson about it's good to ask questions, but maybe find the right time to ask yeah, it. Yeah, okay. But I'm hoping on the flip side that for them, there came a time in their leadership journey where they reflected on the value of asking questions as well. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, I mean, I love questions too, and I love when people ask them um, because to me, curiosity is such an important trait in a good leader. Whatever level you're at is just being curious for as long as you can about everything yeah so i love that piece um has has there ever been sort of times as a a woman in leadership a female in leadership where that has presented as as something that has sort of you know made things more difficult or been a challenge i mean i know the work that she does is is you know working specifically in uh, empowering uh, young women in leadership and entrepreneurship and business, which is great. So that's obviously something you're passionate about. Has that come from experiencing the negative impacts of that or just something that you love? It's a bit of both. So like I said, I've been fortunate to work under or with in partnership with a lot of senior leaders. And in my case, I think I've had a pretty even split across genders. Okay. Um, I don't necessarily think that any of the leaders I've worked with have um, made me feel like I haven't been enough or okay. I haven't had the skills as a female leader. I think that has come more from myself and the yeah. cultural background from which I come from. Okay. I think though Cambodia is one place where I feel like 
consistently I have seen that there is a concerted effort to provide opportunities for women, either through places like She Investments, where that is the explicit focus of the work, both internally and externally, but also generally speaking, as we see things within the funding space start to change. If you okay. work at a nonprofit or a social enterprise, the chances are that you are passionate about women's empowerment. Mm -hmm. And that is for a piece of the work that you're doing in some shape or form. Yeah, right. And so I okay. think over time, I have decided that this is kind of the space in which I choose to operate because I know that that is something that is a core value yeah. within the sector. I mean, it's interesting, traditionally, um, Cambodia, it was it was very male centric in its leadership and still is in some ways um and it's great to see like an organization like she really pushing against that but in a really positive and empowering way um that's really seeing young women step up and and be successful um in life and business and careers um and leadership so you know i think six or seven years ago when she started it was probably you know a, a significant thing to be engaging in in that season um but i really have seen you know such positive fruit i guess from you know the work that she does and i know that there are other organizations as you said in cambodia that are doing you know really empowering and you know raising up um you know young women uh, in cambodia which i think is great but you know there's also that old school you know yeah. and i guess you know in some ways it's it's probably similar um everywhere around the world really um is that is that old school way of thinking is that you know the men are up here and the and the women are down there so it's good to see people breaking you know the mold of that even in a developing country like cambodia so it's pretty exciting that you get to be a part of that. Yeah, definitely. And I feel like, like you said, so much of that is old school. And I think this is where creating opportunities for young leaders and giving them that space and that permission is only to the benefit of women's empowerment yeah. or the empowerment of different genders or yeah. across different intersectional groups where that was maybe not the case with traditional forms of leadership. Yeah, that's right. So we talked a little bit about like senior leaders and I guess leaders that have been doing uh, leadership and, and, and some of them doing it absolutely brilliantly. Um, but what do you think senior leaders need to do better, um, specifically when it comes to developing younger emerging leaders or differently? I think if I highlight the leaders that I remember in my career so far, the ones that have done the best work that I would encourage other senior leaders to also emulate would be to really trust, mm. to, to create trust, but then also to create further opportunities to build that trust. Yeah, so it's not about an isolated incident of giving a person an opportunity one time. I We've been going through this process of recruitment to obviously over the year, we'll look for different people to join our team as we expand, as people move in and out. And there are so many people who are in very senior positions that will apply for roles in that interview. When we ask how they work with uh, the people that they supervise, they say, I give my subordinates small tasks. 
No, I despise the word subordinate, mm-hmm. and I also hate the concept of small tasks. Yeah, yeah, I would yeah. rather, as a senior leader, I would encourage you to take someone along with you on the journey. If they don't understand what's happening, that's okay, because if they don't have that opportunity to learn through that process, it's never going to happen. If you as a senior leader don't try it, the chances that the next senior leader they work yeah, with right. will do it, it's unlikely. And as you progress through your career, as the years pass, those opportunities are far more meaningful than the small tasks. Yeah, absolutely. That's a good piece of advice. What what other things can or should senior leaders be thinking about or doing differently, you know, in their approach to empowering younger leaders? Let me think. Um... I think this is something that I have taken on as kind of like my mantra, but being able to identify the very special thing in someone and focusing yeah. specifically on that and finding opportunities to grow that thing. I think as senior leaders, what we expect as young leaders is that you've already been here, you've already done this. And so for you to be able to see that special thing in someone else, is much easier than for us to pull that out of ourselves, especially mm. as we're starting our career. Yeah. And so I think placing the attention and the focus on that in really developing the capacity of a young person can be the most empowering thing. Yeah, I think that's an excellent piece of advice and insight because for someone to do that, for a leader to notice and see that, special thing that special trait that whatever it is that that gift that that person brings means that you have to be invested into that person you have to be connected to that person you have to be building a relationship with that person you have to be watching and noticing that person you know and so you're not going to see that or notice that and then try and draw that out if you don't have that quality of relationship with that person and i think that is so important for leaders is that investment in the person um, to discover those things um, about them so that you can help draw that out of them because that's where they will flourish. Yeah, and I think as a senior leader, the chances are you're probably working with more than one person. Yeah, that's right. And so (laughs) when there are multiple emerging or young leaders that you're working with, I think it's one part of it is to find the special thing in each person, but then to look at how do you as a a senior leader bring that out in someone? And then how do you help young leaders bring that out in each other? That's great. And so this concept of developing as a peer group, developing Mm -hmm. as a or as a business unit at the end of the day you're working towards a much bigger vision but understanding how the little pieces of that connect with each other and how that growth can happen like within and across levels I think that is something that senior leaders are very well positioned to do yeah it's gold I think that's a great insight and 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 something that I feel you know, leaders listening to this need to really grab hold of that and explore exactly how they can do that uh, in the context of their teams, their young leaders, and even in themselves, um, you know, to acknowledge what it is that they bring that's that's unique and special as well. Um, so, yeah, I think that's 
a great insight and and something that I feel really passionate about seeing more of uh, coming out of kind of more experienced and senior leaders. So great insight, Keisha. Thank you. It's just always to rem- like important to remember that it's a two-way relationship. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. All right, so a couple of quick questions to finish up because as always these conversations we're trying to we try and keep them to half an hour but it goes so fast we feel like we could sit here and chat about leadership all day but a couple of quick kind of questions as we wrap it up one thing what what's been one of your biggest learnings in the last 12 months as a leader and then what advice would you give to other young leaders i think the the biggest thing that i've learned in the last year and it's something that i feel like i keep learning is that it's okay to make mistakes okay that's good and so the important thing is what do you learn from that mistake and if you don't make the mistake to begin with you'll never learn what it is that you need to learn from that opportunity and i personally and professionally i think that everything happens for a reason and so the way that you approach the problem that you've come across, either through a mistake that has been generated by you, mm-hmm. an emerging leader, someone that you're working with, or someone who is in a senior leadership position. I think the way that rea- you react in that circumstance will teach you a lot about yourself and teach you a lot about others yeah. and how you work collectively. Excellent. And what piece of advice would you give to young emerging leaders? I think the advice that I would give is always look for someone who can challenge you, someone that can teach you to see a different side of the the problem that you're facing or to see the silver lining in something that you might be experiencing. Because having those additional perspectives is what will help you broaden your perspectives. And I think that that as an emerging leader is what will help you keep up with senior leaders who have all these decades of experience. If you surround yourself with people that have differing opinions, you can almost collectively bring together those valuable years of experience so that you feel confident you don't face imposter syndrome. Mm. Although it's very difficult not to. And understand that that's just what makes you a good team that's excellent i'm going to throw one little kind of you know challenging question here what do you do personally as a leader when you feel like someone that you're leading or connected with doesn't align or like you or support you as a leader Ooh, that's a that's a very challenging question. First, of course, to be brutally honest, I'll be upset about it. Yeah, absolutely. Because everyone likes to be liked. Um, but I'm also, I think, very introspective. And so I'll try to, as I said, see it from different angles and understand what are the points of common ground. Yeah. So whether or not you're liked by someone, If you can find something that you share in common, whether it's a drive or purpose or an approach, honing in on that and building your relationship in that area will then slowly move into the other realms of your partnership and your relationship. Yeah, good. I mean, I think it's a challenge for all of us, 
regardless of what stage of life or leadership we're at, is dealing with, you know, people that speak out against us or don't like what we're doing or don't like us personally or, you know, um, challenge us or, you know, I think it's a constant. And because leadership is so much about the quality of our relationships, you know, I do think it's something that is both a challenge and something that as leaders we need to work on, develop, um, you know, so that we can deal with those things in really healthy, productive and effective ways um, moving forward. Yeah, so it is the, a challenge. <laughs> yeah, the, the people that have challenged me the most have also been the people that have taught me the yeah, most. That's great. Yeah, and I love it. It's usually someone that is the opposite of me. Yeah. And that I think in itself can be a very complementary relationship. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Keisha, for hanging out with me and having a, a chat about yourself and about leadership and young leaders. It's been great to connect with you in this way and just really appreciate you and all that you're doing and all that you bring and all that you've shared today. Thank you so much, Brett. Thanks for having me. My pleasure and I look forward to catching up with you soon. Me too. Bye. Bye.